please welcome Reagan Kelly, Director of Communications and Legislative Policy for the South Carolina Senate Republican Caucus, and Antoine Seawright, founder and CEO of Blueprint Strategy, LLC. And as he told me, I have to say, from a hometown, a Winthrop graduate, go Eagles, <laughs> to throw something in a little different for the Gamecocks and Tigers. <laughs> Joining them is Mayor Cornelius Huff of the town of Inman, who is the immediate past president of the Municipal Association. Mayor Huff will facilitate this conversation about the political landscape of 2022. Mayor Huff. Thank you, Ms. Kathy. Thank you, Mr. President. Welcome, Reagan and Antoine. I am pleased to be sitting here with you two gentlemen. You both are very well first here in both the state and national politics and um, they're going to be here today to discuss several topics ranging from the legislative session to build relationships on a national level all right now I'm not crazy but there's food in between us <laughs> and them okay so Don't we're, we're going to keep it lines. real and we're going to move all right um, let's start with the 2022 legislative session what are each party's priorities and other major issues? Let me kick off. Yeah, uh, so I appreciate everybody uh, being here. This is a big part of, of knowing what's going on at the, the state level, interacting with your ele elected officials. Um, I, so I, I, there was a great panel this morning. I appreciate being on the stage with Mr. CBS and Fox News over here. It's always good. <laughs> can't, can't look as good as this guy, but I always, I always try. So. Um, so I think uh, Antoine would probably agree with this. We've hit the ground running in the last two years. Um, this time last year, uh, the governor had signed into law 100 piece, more than 100 pieces of legislation. That's pretty, that's pretty fast considering the way the legislature has moved in the past. Um, we've already hit the ground running in the Senate. Uh, first week with congressional redistricting. Uh, second week with a repeal of the certificate of need, except for a few uh, parameters. And then we're hitting the ground running with medical marijuana. So uh, we, we really have had a pretty productive start of uh, this legislative session. I expect that that intensity will continue. Uh, we have a big uh, budget this year, um, as we've had in the past. We have about $500 million in uh, uh, settlement funds with the Savannah River site um, issue that's been going on in, in Aiken County. We have another $2.5 billion in, um, in ARPA funds, uh, American Rescue Plan Act funds that are coming down, and another $3 billion of surplus. So we have a lot of money to spend. Um, that's going to be a uh, a challenge. It's a it's a positive challenge. The uh, during COVID time, um, the economy was going gangbusters. Um, we've been really uh, working hard as a state. Uh, but anytime you have more money at the table, there's more mouths to feed. Uh, so we're going to have to uh, work on those funds. Um, there was a good panel discussion this morning on law enforcement reform. I think that's something that is going to continue to be a topic of discussion that we want to work on. Uh, there's a lot of uh, supply chain issues around the state. I'm sure you guys are feeling it as well. Um, Comprehensive tax reform, I think, will be at the table this year, probably more than it has in years past. Um, and so I think we really have a lot of issues at the table, and Antoine can talk a little bit more about that. If y'all notice, I let Reagan do most of the talking because his party controls both chambers in the, in the General Assembly. I love uh, it. Here we go. So Here it's almost go. like whatever he says is likely going to be the order of the day. Um, <laughs> but, but let me start this conversation by sharing what my mother and father, growing up in Swansea, South Carolina, uh, taught me to be the two most important words in the English language uh, and they're nearly not said enough and those words are thank you. 
Uh, thank you to every single person who's in this room, who's at this conference for your service to this state. Uh, South Carolina could not be without you and me. And so we are so grateful uh, for your service. I, I, I oftentimes remind people that the good news about local government is the closer your government is to you, the more important it is for you. Uh, and the South Carolina Senate uh, is not like Washington, D.C. Uh, so I oftentimes refer to on TV in my other job, uh, I say Washington, D.C. is a dysfunctional city. But when I, talk, when I talk about the South Carolina General Assembly, I call it the sane center. Uh, because on any given Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you'll see people from both sides of the aisles coming together in the center in order to get things done for the people. And I think that's the beautiful part about the South Carolina General Assembly as a whole, but in particular, the roles Reagan and I play in the South Carolina Senate. Look, at, like most things in the current political environment we live in, um, there are people who have differences of, opinion, of opinions about what the priorities are. Uh, some people want to focus on quality of life issues, and they think their way of thinking of those issues is the order of the day. And you have others who don't, do, do not want to do anything. Uh, they just want to raise hell and say no to everything because that seems to be uh, a popular political stance, and it helps you get reelected. Uh, I try my best. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, I don't know any person in their right mind who should not prioritize uh, this pandemic we are living through uh, called COVID-19. It has impacted how everyone conducts their business, whether you are a mayor, city council person, or in the General Assembly. So number one, I think that is going to be some type of priority. Now, I think there's some real differences in terms of how Reagan Party may view how we deal with the pandemic and how we deal with it. I think from a democratic perspective, I certainly think we care about protecting life uh, and making sure that uh, everyone's health is a top matter of concern. So I think the pandemic is number one. Number two, I think everything else folds out into a category called quality of life issues, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's jobs, whether it's being responsible with the money that has come to South Carolina thanks to President Joe Biden mm -hmm. and our majority whip in the United States Congress, Jim Clyburn, because truth be told, whether you agree with me or not, and my politics or not, not one single person uh, not too many people in D.C. Uh, in the South Carolina delegation voted for funds to come to the state. And so as a result, many of you cities have money that you've never had before. And so you're going to spend money that you've never had before. That's right. Stand by one second. Sir, I need some quietness up here. The conversation is here. Thank you. And so you guys are going to have to decide how you deal with the surplus of money that all of you have. There's not a single town or municipality in this room that doesn't have money like they've never had it before. And that's thanks to some of the work being done at the federal level by some of our elected officials. And so, as Reagan said, the budget is going to be a tremendous priority. And then there will be those consequential issues, those political issues uh, that turn into political football every now and again, whether it's uh, abortion, uh, whether it's taxes, uh, whether it's marijuana, uh, whether it's a hate crime bill, whatever it is, there are going to be those issues that I think that will take up some space on the calendar. But I think for the most part, you will see this General Assembly, in particular in the South Carolina Senate, be defined by things that are going to further uh, the people of South Carolina in their own way. Uh, now, I will tell you, there are statewide offices up for re-election in November, and there are every single, mouth, every single member 
of the House of Representatives up for re-election. So that's going to cause what I'd like to say is political friction uh, between the House and the Senate and what becomes priorities. And Reagan can tell you what happens is bills will come from the House and they get stuck in the Senate, and bills come from the Senate get stuck in the House. Uh, but the one thing we all always try to do is make certain that there's a budget to be passed. And so I think those will be the priorities. Make no mistake, health care should be our number one priority, and that means also taking care of our children and whatever that looks like. And that has to be a priority. Yeah, I'll add to that just briefly and say, you know, what, what Antoine ended with was, was the budget. You know, I think this is important to know that our, our fiscal security is strong here in South Carolina. We had a good economy. We still have a robust economy. Um, towns are doing well. Municipalities are doing well. Uh, but you will not see the state government shut down over a budget. We are not Washington, um, as he's always said. We are required to pass a, a balanced budget. We'll do that. And, yes, there's, there, there's often friction between the House and the Senate um, on, on those uh, fiscal matters, but, um, but we, we always get there at the end of the day. And, I think that's and let, me, let me also add that we're going to benefit from, we've had several windfalls that I think have come to South Carolina. This last windfall of infrastructure money. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to invest in roads and bridges and airports and our ports. And thank God for the majority whip, Jim Clyburn, because most people, most households in South Carolina will have access to the Internet and broadband access because of the windfall that was coming that will come to South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to happen, a lot of you towns and cities, you all are going to have to decide how that money is spent and whether it's spent all in one shot or whether it's con consecutive shots in the arm to build out long-term infrastructure, that will be decisions you all have to make individually or collectively, depending on your style of government. Okay. All right. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Let's talk about redistricting. The General Assembly just finished drawing a state and con congressional lines. What is the background and the impact of this redistricting? Well, it's probably one of the most important things we do. Uh, we only do it once every 10 years um, when the census numbers come out. Um, it has major impact on uh, the political uh, landscape of the state, um, political landscape of the House and Congress. Um, you know, from the Senate side, we, we, we just finished uh, Senate redistricting and House redistricting, passed the, um, and the governor signed into law the congressional redistricting as well. And, um, more specifically, what you saw in the state is high growth areas, you guys all know this, but high growth areas along the coast uh, in New York County, Tiga Cay, and then portions of the lake in Lexington and, and, and some areas of the upstate. But along the 95 corridor, more specifically, were, were areas that did not, uh, population did not rise as fast as other areas of the state, and that leaves gaps. And we had some Senate districts where uh, districts were, were low by tens of thousands of people. So that creates a unique challenge. It's very difficult. Um, it is about the most base politics thing you do. Um, and, uh, and so from the Senate side, what ultimately happened is uh, a district, District 20 represented by uh, Dick Harputlian here just across the river got collapsed. Um, uh, Senator Harputlian served on, on that Senate subcommittee um, and got basically moved to West Ashley, James Island portion of, of Charleston County. Um, on the State House side, you saw about three or four new House seats as well, uh, one in, in Mount Pleasant. Uh, one in Tiga Cay, I think another one was in Horry County as well. And so those are open seats. Um, so that's going to change the dynamic um, of, of the political landscape. And then on the congressional level, which is probably where most, most of the fight usually comes from, um, you know, Antoine could speak a little bit more to that. But there are serious areas of, of low population 
um, in the sixth district and serious areas of high population, about, about 150,000, 120,000 people or so um, separated the two districts. And so uh, that's done, but it's probably one of the most influential, impactful uh, uh, items on the General Assembly's docket. Um, it's the responsibility of the General Assembly. So uh, those bills are passed, signed into law, and we'll see what, uh, if, if any, um, if they get litigated. But for right now, that's where the process is. Well, I can tell Reagan they are going to court uh, <laughs> because the maps are not fair. <laughs> uh, but look, uh, all jokes aside, the most consequential thing any of us do every 10 years or supposed to do is fill out that census. Uh, and the census determines not only our quality of life, but determine, they determine in a real way who represents us. Unfortunately, this past census cycle probably uh, wasn't the most beneficiary for most people. Whether it was a pandemic that caused us have to, uh, that caused the way we conduct the census to change, or whether it's people who just had a real intense, all intensive purpose and of trying to um, nitpick at the system. So that the true uh, diversity of, of this country as it changes does not necessarily pull through. And so what happens is people may or may not fill out their census. When people do not fill out that census, you know, Mr. Mayor uh, Tecklenburg, that, that means that they're not accounted for. And so that means funds and dollars that normally flow down or come down from the federal government, they do not make their way to communities that necessarily mean it. Mean it. I look around this room, I see so many familiar faces. That means most of you rural towns and cities perhaps may not get all the monies you deserve from the federal government because people fill out their census. That's one aspect. The second aspect is what Reagan just mentioned when it comes to uh, deciding who represents who. Uh, the process, in my view, was flawed. Uh, if you look at the maps as they have come out of the House and the State House and the State Senate, um, there's not a legal group who wants the lines drawn in a fair way who would have probably agree with our political maps. As a result, the maps in South Carolina take the state house out of the question for a second, just from a congressional standpoint, as the maps are drawn today, we will still have one Democratic congressman and six uh, Republican congressmen. I don't know anybody in their right mind, considering the environment we live in, who think that's probably a good idea. Uh, and so the maps are going to go to the courts, um, and we'll see what happens. What's happening all across the country is as maps are going to the courts, the courts are sending these maps back to the states and saying, redraw the process. Because based on rule of law, not politics of Antoine, not the politics of Reagan, but based on rule of law, the maps are just not fair. And so I likely, I, I highly believe that we will probably see the same scenario in South Carolina. In the House of Representatives here in our state, you're going to have members running against each other uh, just by way of the population shifts happening. I can tell you where I live in Lower Richland, we have two House members that are going to be running against each other to represent part of Lower Richland. That's going to happen in other parts of the state. The Senate was not as complicated um, because, again, we're the same center. Um, however, I do believe that when and if the courts intervene, it may cause the maps in the state Senate to be uh, recalibrated in, the same, in a different way. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add to that. I think if, you, if Antoine and I litigated the uh, congressional maps, uh, we'll, we'll be here all day. I know you guys want to get to lunch. But, um, but uh, you know, the, what the Senate decided to adopt and the House, the House concurred with this was, was considered a minimal change uh, map. It stuck with the existing seven districts as it was and made minimal changes along those. The primary reason is core constituencies. You probably deal with this at home as well, but people want to know who their congressman is. They're comfortable with their congressman, and they want that to, to stay the same. They don't want to see 
rapid movement across the state, um, and, and that's the determination the General Assembly had. It's their determination to make until it gets litigated otherwise. Um, the initial map that, that we began this process with was litigated. It did go to the courts, and a judge upheld it. So we're, we're, those were the existing maps that we're working off of, and, and, and I think minimal change given the dynamics, the shifting, uh, dramatic shifting of population, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. The reason I can't argue much with Reagan is because elections have consequences. Uh, they have the majority, and so they get to decide most things, if not all things, when it comes to the General Assembly, i.e. the maps that came out and that passed and went to the governor's office. All right. Now, since we're talking about elections, <laughs> we here. Y'all should be like having fun. We're having yeah. fun up here. Yeah, we loving this. <laughs> Next topic, 2022 election calendar. Who is up for election and what's going to be the impact? Well, the entire, Antoine's already hinted at it, the entire statewide um, house, the ha statewide offices are governors up, uh, superintendent of education up, any statewide offices up. The uh, state House of Representatives up, is up. The state Senate is not up. They won't be up for another uh, two years following. And then um, all the congressional um, offices are up. So it's the midterms. Um, this is the time where you're going to see uh, dramatic changes. Uh, like, like we've already discussed with redistricting, there's already uh, there's about three new open House seats on the House side. Um, uh, Superintendent Molly Smearin has already announced that she's not planning on filing for re-election. Um, so that will be an open office as well. And then, as, as always in the congressional, you're going to, uh, see contentious battle, uh, particularly probably in the first district, I, sus I suspect, uh, which could have impact on, on the national outlook. You know, Republicans right now, I think, generally feel pretty good about their chances at winning back the House. Um, the Senate's 50-50. They, they feel like there's a pretty good shot there, too. Um, and that in the first congressional district could have significant impact on that. Uh, but, uh, but particularly statewide, all those offices are going to be available in state house seats as well. I, I'll tell you this, uh, one of the most profound things I ever read in my political career was the most powerful office any of us hold is the office of citizen. Uh, the reason that is because in this country, and this one, one thing I love about this country, we settle political disputes and our differences at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. We settle our disputes and our differences at the ballot box. In November of this year, and for some in the primary, uh, all of us will have an, an opportunity to settle whatever disputes we may have or differences at the ballot box. I mentioned it, Reagan followed up. A lot of people will be on the ballot. And while we get so caught up on what's going on upstream, downstream, there will be races on the ballot. Some of you on the ballot uh, all across this room uh, in November. And I go back to the famous words from a dear friend, even though we, we have our political differences, Lindsey Graham, uh, our US Senator. He says elections have consequences. And so for all of us, it should be a priority to making certain that people understand how consequential every single election should be and not just casting a vote, whether you go vote straight party ticket or not, at what's going on upstream. Because a lot of you in this room who are elected, you're nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. And so if you walk into a, a booth and you just press the Republican lever, like 68% of people do in South Carolina in a midterm election, or you press the Democratic lever, you're going to get certain offices, but you're going to skip over most people in this room. And remember what I said when I came in, when we first opened up, the closer your government is to you, the more important it is for you. If your trash is not picked up, you can't call Henry McMaster. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if there are a series of break-ins uh, on your street or in your neighborhood, I'm sorry, you can't call Alan Wilson. 
And so we, we have to condition ourselves and the people we represent of how important voting in every single election is, including school board. Because if there's one thing that's a hot topic all around this country, and I was on CBS yesterday talking about this, the most important thing on the hottest topic in political politics around this country going on because of some of the discussions, whether you agree or not, uh, is school board seats. Mm -hmm. And most right. of those are nonpartisan. <laughs> and so it's not a game. My, my grandmother, I'm, I am um, a first-gen college student and only a second-generation uh, high school graduate. My grandparents were sharecroppers from Swansea, South Carolina. But what my grandmother used to say was so profound, I always remember, she said, son, you're either going to be at the table or on the menu. <laughs> and, 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 and I think when we show up to vote, or if we show up to vote, makes a real determination about that status, whether we're going to be at the table or on the menu. You sure we didn't have the same grandmother? You understand why it's hard being on stage with this guy? This guy's good. He really is. He really is. Now, I, I want to I jump in on that real quick because I think we, we focus a lot, and, and, and it's bar conversation, it's, it's coffee room conversation, but we focus a lot on national issues. Local issues are really where it matters. You guys know that. Um, but that also, Nash, issues at the national level intensify things. They, they get people divisive. They're much more divisive than they are on the local issue. Well, not always. You guys know some divisive <laughs> But I think it's important to know Antoine and I are friends. Yeah. You know, I consider Antoine a close friend. He was the first person to call me when I, when I got hired in the Senate um, from the opposition side said, let, let me know what I can do to help you. Um, the Senate's that way. The House is that way. General Assembly's that way. You know, we, we need to all be at the table to bring the intensity down a little bit. Um, certain national issues are important. They really are. Um, but... I think you'll find that at least around the state house, we don't have as many Republican Democratic fights as people might think. There's a lot of 42 to four votes. Um, the issues are a little bit more rural, urban versus suburban. Um, but you know, there's plenty of times we'll have a hot topic, we'll debate, we'll have a filibuster, we'll be in at nine o'clock, 9 p.m. yelling at each other, and then people go have dinner afterwards, and it's, they get along as. as it's like WWE important. wrestling; they fight in the ring and they go hang out in the locker room. <laughs> right, um, and that's the way I see it. But, but to Reagan's point, I know we got to move with time. Mm -hmm. But uh, to Reagan's point, I would say 99.9999 percent of the issues we face in this country and in this state, they don't just impact Democrats. They don't just impact sure. Republicans. They don't just impact black, brown, short, tall, the educated, not so educated, however you want, however people or society has, has leaned in to describe us. They impact all of us. If Reagan is hurt, Antoine is hurting too. If Antoine is doing well, there's a good chance that Tecklenburg is doing well too. And that's why the beauty about South Carolina and for what most of you do, because you're nonpartisan, you have the opportunity to, de to demonstrate what it means to pull people up from the bottom up. And I'm a yoga, I go to yoga three times a week, and the one thing I've learned about from my yoga practice is that most of our power start, is in the bottom. It's from our legs, and then the rest of the power goes up. But our strongest, the strongest part of your body is in your legs. You all are the legs of the state. You are the strongest part of this state. And we've got to start leaning and trusting and building on the legs of the state if we want South Carolina to be successful. Wow. You just came and added the gravy on the biscuit because <laughs> in 2019, we stated that we are one South Carolina. Right. You remember that? You hear right. this? You hear this? Wow. Reagan? 
Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's really so important to understand um, is the dynamic. You have to get involved. You have to get involved at a local level. Getting involved does not mean you have to dislike the other side. Um, there's a lot of people in this room with a lot of diverse backgrounds, a lot of diverse uh, opinions, different political uh, opinions. Uh, pull different the, the right end, the different level for Republican Democrat. That's okay. We all we all face the same issues. Um, we come at it a little different. Yeah, Antoine and I are sometimes <laughs> differ on how we get there. Um, but 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 making sure that you have you build close, trusted relationships with people on the other sides actually will make you stronger. It will actually have different. You know, if you only listen to the echo chamber, you're not going to really hear the other side. You're not going to actually be able to move forward. Um, here, having other opinions involved, having other people at the table, really is an important part of the process. Lead, led right into the next question. How can we, as local elected officials, build relationships in government and politics? I, I, I'll say this. Uh, I think all of us, and I'm guilty of it too because I'm a paid political commentator for the Democrats, so I, I, <laughs> I, I don't apologize about that. That's just who I am and what I do. Uh, but the one thing I, I've learned as I, as I kind of mature in my work and even in age is that we've got to get to a place where we yell about the places we agree and we whisper about the places we disagree. And, That's good stuff. and what's happening in our country is that the opposites happen. We yell more than we whisper. And so this business that all of us are in uh, is a turnoff for a lot of people. And that's why it's so hard for us to engage people and keep people engaged and, and thinking and working with us and all that. And so we, we've got to get to that place. And then I think we all have to come to the realization that we're all different. Uh, in the front page of his, mem his memoirs, and I'm reading it again because he asked me to, uh, the majority whip who's like my political father and friend, he says our lives are the sum total of our experiences. And all of us have different life experiences. I know I grew up in rural South Carolina, Swansea, one traffic light, mother and father worked two jobs all my life, all the things I told you, I'm first gen college, second gen high school graduate. My mother and father did not go to anybody's college, but it was better than my grandparents because at least they could spell college. And here I am with some of the opportunities in the world to help other people get into college. Reagan has different life experiences. But at the end of the day, although we may agree on how we tackle issues, we both agree that we want South Carolina to be better. We want our families to be better. We want generations of people to be better. And so we, we find ourselves having conversations. We find ourselves talking even about the places we disagree. But you, don't, you won't ever find us yelling in any public forum about where we disagree. In fact, you'll find us talking about more where we, whether we agree. And where we disagree, we try to find the one thing within the disagreement that we agree on, and we say our prayers and we say amen about it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Um, I, I would say the first step is this is a little bit of preaching the choir because you're here. You're active, you're involved, that's, that's the first step. Come to things like this, have conversations with people who don't live in your area or who don't have the same issues that you face um, and, and understand their perspective. It, get to know people personally um, on a personal level, understand their background, understand where they come from because you may not understand why they arrive at the issue that they, or, or where they arrived at the issue that they arrived. But when you talk to them about it, you're like, okay, now I kind of get it. I understand why you have that perspective. Um, and, and I think that'll help bridge gaps um, better. And probably the third thing is just build relationships. Y'all are going to be probably doing something after this. Um, this isn't a career, you know, a long-term career for everybody. You might want to go on and do something a little bit different. Just build relationships. Um, it's nice to know people. It's nice to have in, in, in your field and other fields. Um, and I think that's just an important fact of anything in any position. But Reagan, to that point, it's good for people to know. It's good for your constituents or other people 
uh, for you to know them, but I think it's more important for them to know you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's done over 300 campaigns in my life, from presidential down to dog catcher, I know politicians' first line of thinking is, um, well, they need to know me. And that's where they fail long term, because you need to know them. Because you can better help somebody, not because they know you, but because you know about them and their life experiences. And if we get a chance to get to know each other, like I've gotten to know the mayor Casey, who's my dear friend who's at the back of the room, like we've gotten to know each other better. We can understand our life experiences better. We can, and if we understand our life experiences better, we can understand how to make policy changes better. And I think all of us should be charged with that responsibility when we leave this room. Mm -hmm. And when we leave our city council meetings, uh, we should be charged with the responsibility of getting to know other people, not re requiring them to get to know us. That's awesome. <laughs> Lastly, could you each give us a quick national political spotlight? Antoine, you want to start on that? I'll let you start. <laughs> come on, come on. He, I he, mean, uh, see, Reagan wants to point to me, and I just opened up by saying he's in charge of everything that goes on. <laughs> hey, I don't, we don't have the White House right now, my friend. That, that, that's you. All right, well, I'll give you my perspective, and Antoine can, can tell everybody why I'm wrong. But um, I think there's, there's, challenges, uh, there's challenges with both parties at the national level. Um, you know, Republicans feel like they're a pretty, pretty confident spot. Um, you know, they, they just came after a... a they just came after a big win in Virginia uh, with, with Governor Yunkin. Uh, feel, feel pretty positive about that. I think most Republicans will tell you the national level, they feel like they've got a, a good shot at winning the House back, as we've already talked about. I swear he, he's going to be prepared to jump, jump on me. <laughs> I, I looked at real clear averages uh, polling uh, data this morning. You know, President's um, approval rating is uh, on the average in the low 40s. Some polls have them in the 30s. You don't get to 30%. Uh, in, in, in approval without base erosion. I think the Democrats at the national level have difficulty, um, are having a difficult time right now rallying around uh, at the very top of the ticket. That's going to present some challenges at the midterms. Uh, when you get to in the 30%, that's a, that's a challenge. The Supreme Court uh, pos uh, position being open should actually help the Democrats heal some of that base erosion. Uh, but I think the midterms are going to be a big driver. Um, right now, what, what Democrats are doing really well at national level that Republicans are having a difficult time catching up on is fundraising. Um, I think uh, Mark Kelly has a three to one advantage, fundraising advantage. Uh, Warnock over in Georgia has a two to one fundraising advantage. Uh, but the polling is still showing pretty close in some of those key uh, Senate races. And so, um, you know, Democrats have the system that they're very good at where if you, if you like President Biden, you're also going to like Warnock. If you like Warnock, you might like the state Senate candidate down in Columbia. Um, so they are doing a much better job from the top of the ticket um, of, of, of low dollar fundraising, um, of, of engagement, which the party has always done a very good job at. Um, but Republicans are not without their challenges uh, at the very top when it comes to um, who the nominee is going to be either. So uh, I think both parties, to a sense, have, have, have challenges in their way, but there's opportunities for right now as well. Who the hell knows what's going to happen in November? That's right. That's right. Personal file, five-yard penalty. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't. But, but, but I'll, I'll say this. Uh, the tectonic, the political tectonic plates in this country keep shifting. Yeah. Uh, people oftentimes talk about the pendulum swing from Democrat to Republican. I disagree. I think it swings from left to right. And the tech, as the tectonic plates shift, um, there are certain things that are driving and fueling uh, intensity around elections, anger, frustration, and confusion. And I think 
Reagan's party has done a better job than my party of capitalizing on that to push people to the polls, i.e. is how we were able or how the country elected the last president, anger, frustration, and confusion. And so what I think my party has to do, and while President Biden may be the president, and I'm thankful every day that I went around this country and South Carolina decided he was going to be the nominee, uh, and he went on to be the president, while I'm thankful every day all that happened, uh, as I told men of his top lieutenants uh, last week when I was at the White House, I think we have to get outside of this bubble and go tell people what we've done for them. Uh, because if people know what this administration and what this Congress has done for them, you'll see more of people in Reagan's party trying to take credit for stuff they did not vote for. <laughs> and that's happening all around the country. Whether you're Republican or not, I really don't care about your politics in this room, but you didn't have a single Republican vote for the Rescue Act, but every single one of them are taking credit, holding press conferences around the country, saying, we, we brought you these dollars. <laughs> and to me, that says that whatever my party did worked, and so we've got to tell people what we did for them. And so they can be enthused and encouraged about supporting us again in the midterm. Now, history is on the table. Very few times in history where the party in charge holds this majority in the House and the Senate. Yeah. So we have that to deal with. But if I lived by conventional wisdom, then I probably wouldn't be sitting here in this room. Because Antoine C. Wright, under nobody's circumstance or calendar, is supposed to be in this room with all of you here. So I don't live by those things. What I live by is what's going to make this country better. And I believe, while the president may have some challenges with his poll numbers uh, and needs some adjustments, there's not a policy agenda that he's advocated for or put forth that's not, that's, that, that, does, that does not poll above 53% and among the American people, that's Democrats and Republicans and independents. And so if the Republican Party, Reagan's party, wants to beat up on the president, fine. He's not on the ballot, but his agenda is. And there's not a person in this room and a person in this country who will not benefit, whether they agree or not, whether they say it or not, who will not benefit from some of the policies that have come from this White House and this Congress. And so for that reason, I'm cautiously optimistic, Reagan. There you go, man. <laughs> Boy, y'all got to give them a round of applause. These gentlemen are absolutely outstanding. We thank you for your time today, and we appreciate you spending time. Y'all thank the moderator. Give it up yeah, for the moderator. <laughs> Mayor Hopp here. Madam President. Yes. Excuse me. Thank you. That was uh, such an interesting and engaging conversation. And a great segue also. Remember this afternoon after your um, trip to the uh, State House, the uh, presentation on how to have uh, productive conversations around tough issues. And you guys, among everything else, talked a lot about that. So thank you for all of that. Um, for all of us now, uh, it's lunchtime, uh, and be sure this room gets moved around a little bit, so take everything that you have with you so you don't have to go track down a lost and found. Also, uh, grab your ticket for the lunch. Uh, lunch will be served at 12.15, so make your way over to the Capitol Ballroom now. We'll see you there. Thank you, man. It. Absolutely. Thank you.